Good morning, everyone. How are you? Everybody good? It's St. Patrick's Day. And so if you're not wearing your green and you got pinched, well, now you know why you got pinched. I guess they used to do that, right? They, do they still do that? I don't know if they still do that. They used to when I was a kid. You'd get a, a pinch, and then you'd say, ow, I didn't wear green today. And uh, in any event, it's good to see you, whether you're in green or not. It's good to be with you in God's house. We're going to get into his word here in a little while. We have uh, some announcements that we're going to share. So if you have your worship folders, go ahead and take those out real quick. And uh, we'll, we'll make uh, the announcements that we need to so that you're acquainted with what's happening. All right, so there's a Blue Bonnet party at the Sprosses property, April 14th at 4 p.m. So it's on a Sunday afternoon after we get out of church and you've had time to kind of get your bearings and go change and all of that. It's going to be uh, at the Sprosses Ranch. And so if you need any directions or you just kind of don't know what, it, what it's all about, uh, kind of just a nutshell, uh, all the families of the church are invited to come to that. And um, if you're new and you don't know anybody, this is a great way to get to know somebody. There's going to be good food there. Uh, there's going to be good company there. Uh, and so both of those together, amazing scenery. It makes for a good afternoon. And uh, so make plans to, to go to that, young and old alike. There's all kinds of different activities there and, and uh, basketball. And uh, I think there was volleyball and just different things. People went hiking. Some, some people just sat around and, and talked. And a lot of people just ate. So regardless of what you want to do, we want you to be, be there for that. Make plans uh, to uh, benefit from that time at the Sprouse's Ranch. Um, there's an announcement that's not in here that um, uh, we need a training for a, um, an app that we have. Some of us might have that app, and if you don't have the app, um, it is called Servant Keeper. And what that app does is gets you access to all contact information for people in the church. Now, this is specific to uh, folks that are in the visitation ministry or that you wanted to be a part of the visitation ministry. And uh, so we were needing training just because, let's say, for instance, someone goes to the hospital and uh, you kind of just don't know all the you know, ins and outs of what's going on. Well, that will be updated on the Servant Keeper app. And so then you're able to say, okay, so John Smith... Brother John Smith is in the hospital, so I got to figure out where John Smith is. Where did they take him? Um, you know, and so then you're able to get in a ser servant keeper, and you have all the contact information and all of the latest notes as to what's happening with John Smith. And so instead of calling the office like many people uh, have done, and that's kind of been a long-standing tradition in churches, uh, the way of technology is such that uh, now you can actually get into uh, an app and have that at your fingertips. And that also um, frees up our office administrator to do other things and to, uh, you know, be more productive. Uh, and, and so all of us together being more productive, it makes for a better ministry. So that training is going to be a week from tomorrow, uh, Monday night, the 25th, right here in the sanctuary. And Miss Rochelle is going to be teaching that training, uh, teaching us not only just there's some of us that don't even have the app, and so you'll need to come and, um, and get the app. And so then, uh, how many of y'all have smartphones? Anybody? Anybody have smartphones? The rest of you aren't paying attention. Okay. Um, because I know that most people, they get where we have smartphones. And so it has the capability to do a lot more than just take pictures and read Facebook. And uh, one of those features is, um, is Servant Keeper. So uh, if you, if you want to know more about that, be here at 7 o'clock sharp. 
in the sanctuary a week from tomorrow night. Okay? All right, I think that's all the announcements I'm going to share with you this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to get there now. And um, we had been in a series talking about holiness, uh, what it is, what it isn't. We were four weeks in that particular series. And um, I had heard a, um, a district superintendent one time say uh, this comment, and I thought it was a good one. And I've held on to it so many years past the time that I initially heard it. And maybe he had heard it from someone else, but uh, this district superintendent is where I heard it. And he said this, the Holy Spirit is less given for our enjoyment as much as he's given for our employment. And when he said that, I thought, hmm, is that, is that um, worthy of, uh, of not only remembering but repeating? And, uh, and I thought, yes, it is. It's absolutely right, especially when you see, for instance, that book right after the Gospels. What's that book called? Acts, right? You could probably even, you know, if you were going to, synonyms for the word acts, works, or, or fruit, right? Tangible things that you can see, that you have evidence of God invading someone's life is that they do things, that there is um, uh, that tangible, good, physical evidence that, hey, listen, these people have been with God. If you recall in the book of Acts, you'll have where um, Peter and some others were there in the temple courts and they collected these guys and they were figuring out what they wanted to do with these guys because they had already been strictly warned not to preach in that name. And they went out and, of course, they disobeyed that order and they preached in the name of Jesus. And so they collected these guys and they uh, have them kind of sequestered and they decide, well, what, what should we do with these guys? And, uh, but one thing it does say in the book of Acts about these guys is that they realized that they, these guys had been with Jesus. It was tangibly evident that these guys had been with the Lord. Now, is there something to be said about the Christian that people should know that we've been with the Lord? Should they know it? Should they be able to see it? Should there be this tangible evidence that, hey, this guy knows Jesus? This guy's been with Jesus. This morning, you can tell this guy's prayed. This guy has read his Bible. This person has had intimate time with the Father. Should there be tangible evidence of that, of that fact? Like, for instance, how many guys have ever left church and you're glowing? Anybody? You know, you have where um, uh, we go to the buffet after church, elbowing people to get out of the way because we want to get the sweet and sour pork before it runs out. <laughs> that guy has not been with Jesus. No, no way. It's pretty amazing. On Sunday afternoon, everybody's polite. Not so much on Monday. But, you know, that's, that shouldn't be the fact. That shouldn't be the case for the Christian. That as believers, we're people that we've been with Jesus, and you can tell. It's very apparent that you read your Bible, that you pray every day, that you worship every day. You know, worship's not relegated only for one hour a week on Sunday morning. You should be worshiping every day. Uh, we should be fasting. How many guys ever fast? Don't raise your hand. But how many of y'all fast? You should fast. This should be something that you incorporate into your spiritual disciplines. Uh, this is important for the Christian. How about service? How many of us actually serve? I'm not talking about just that you do something on a Sunday morning, but throughout your week, you're serving other people in the name of Jesus. These are things that we should do. All of these things together are evidence. They're tangible evidence that you've been with Jesus. Now, of course, we know of the fruit of the Holy Spirit as well, right? So that also is included in this. When we talk about that we should 
very easily, people could tell we've been with Jesus, we should have these things. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians. And of course, there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16, Galatians. I'm reading out of the NIV, the old, uh, older version. It says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The Apostle Paul here, talking to the Galatians about something very important. This is critical. you got to live by the Spirit. Not live by Steve or, or fill in your name, right? we got to live by the Spirit. Is that a foregone conclusion? It, it shouldn't be. It better not be. We should ask the question, am I living by the Spirit? Do I live according to what His Spirit says? That God's Spirit would speak to me very clearly in prayer or through the, the Scripture uh, maybe through someone's uh, admonition or advice or counsel to us. Or maybe we're just driving down the road and we see some kind of a, of a vision or some kind of a revelation. But the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. It says we should live by the Spirit. What that means then is that I'm led by the Spirit. That as God would direct my life, He does it as His Holy Spirit would speak to me. This is a good idea, Steve. Steve, this is not a good idea. Steve, this is what I want you to do. Steve, I want you to refrain from doing this. Steve, I'd like you to add this to your life. I want you to take this away from your life. Steve, I'd like you to get involved in this ministry. Steve, the season for that ministry is closed, and we're going to move on to the next one. The Holy Spirit, it's amazing that the people of God should be directed by God's Holy Spirit. Now, some people might think, well, that's, that's a no-brainer, Pastor. Duh. And while we not, might know it, we don't do it. The Christians know that we're supposed to live by the Spirit, but we're actually living more by what we think is right. And yet the Scripture declares in Proverbs that we should lean not on our own understanding. Could we say this morning that maybe many people in the churches are leaning on their own understanding? What does that even look like? What does that even mean? Because these two things are at, at, at war with each other. They're kinda, there's friction here, happening here where I do what I think, and then there's what God thinks. I do what makes sense to me, as opposed to what God says, even over and above sometimes my common sense. There's the kinds of things that I can do in my own strength, and these are the things that require faith that will depend upon God's strength. All of these things, as we begin to kind of do a real self-introspection, it's one thing what the Christian knows that they're supposed to do in being led by the Spirit, and it's an entirely different thing what we actually do. If I was going to look in the mirror this morning and say about my own life, God, am I directing the affairs of my own life day by day? Do I do things that I do because I can get them done in my own understanding, in my own strength? Before you begin to, to answer that question affirmatively, you should stop and you should do an honest inventory. And the way that you live your life even right now up to this point, is this something at all that you need God for? 
That's, that's an honest question. That is a legitimate question this morning. I say, live by the Spirit. If I live by the Spirit, it means that I'm out of control. How many control freaks? Let me just say, if we're control freaks, if we got to be in control, we're not doing it God's way. And that's, okay, we, we can speak in ideals, right? We can speak in pie-in-the-sky type generalities. But let's talk about real, where the rubber meets the road, where we live. And we talk about this morning, what's that going to mean for my life if God is really in control? Not me. What that requires is an honest assessment of the messes that we make. Anybody ever made a mess? You make a mess of relationships or a mess of situations in your life and, and you wish you had it back. And what happened is you got ahead of God. The idea of being led by the Spirit. Have you guys seen these uh, leashes for kids? You seen these? When I, when I remember before I had kids and I had seen these leashes for kids, you know, I'd see these people, you know, hauling along their kid on a leash. I, I don't know what you think about it. That's not even the point of the sermon. I, I, I mean, I don't, you know, whatever psychological issues or whatever. I, that's not the point. But I remember saying to Jennifer, oh, I, why do they do that? I would never do that. You know, almost treat them like a dog or something. How many of you guys have ever, when you had little children, realized that your child was not by your side and you could not find them? Anybody? Anybody ever had that happen to you? And they are gone like that. I mean, they disappear like that. And you're, and you're, and you go into a panic. There's this kind of a, like a, you almost hyperventilate because you start thinking about, oh my gosh, where is this child? Where did they go? I mean, you have these visions that we hear about. God forbid that ever happens to anybody, but this happens where somebody takes a child and they're gone. And you're thinking, oh, oh. And all of a sudden, then they're hiding in the clothes rack at the store and you're like, that's not funny. The kid thinks, what? You know, I was just having fun. I was just, you know, hiding in the clothes. I'm coming, Elizabeth. You know? <laughs> Don't do that again. And we'll have different kinds of fun. Oh, these people have their, their kids on a leash. And now as a parent, I don't know whether I agree or disagree. I can see, I understand why they have that kid on a leash. I understand that. And those parents then kind of just, Lead the children. If it's a crowded mall or a store, they're kind of going through the crowd and they have that little child like that and, and they're being led. Because that child thinks they know better. One, isn't that true about children? Children think, hey, this is fun. I think this is a great uh, judgment call on my part to hide in the clothes away from my parents. This is, this is a good idea. There's a lot of good ideas that children have that aren't really good ideas. 
As we laugh at that, what we have to realize about our own lives is that there are a lot of things that we think are good ideas, but they're not God's ideas. And in order for us to actually be led by the Spirit, if we're going to say, okay, I'm going to be out of control and I'm going to let God control my life, we have to make peace with the fact that you don't know what's best for you. Neither do I. None of us do. We human beings have a perspective. This is our perspective. And God's perspective is like, whoa. No, God, I know what I'm doing. This is a good idea. This is what, and then what happens is that we make a mess because this is all we see. That's all we can, we, we, we don't know what's going on out here. We just see this. We get so focused that we, we, we can't see the big picture. And God sees the big picture. To be led by the Spirit, you have to make peace with the fact that you just don't know, you don't know what you think you know. You don't know best for your own life like you think you do. But God does. You know, there's tremendous peace in that. I like not knowing everything. I like declaring that I don't know everything. I love it. It releases all the burden, all the responsibility that so many people heap upon their shoulders when they drive everything. they got to be in control of everything. they got to make sure that they know everything and everything is dot- the, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, everything's got to be in its perfect place. Listen, I don't know everything. And it's a good thing when we can make the declaration that, hey, listen, I don't know everything, and including and especially that I don't know what's best for my own life. But God does. And if I'll rely on him, is there anybody in here that, that would say this morning, I know I can trust God. I know I can. I know he won't steer me wrong. I know he's not going to drive my life into a ditch. I know that if I serve God and I put him in the control, in the control spot, if I, if I make sure that I read this book and I follow what's in that book, that I'm going to be all right. Easier said than done. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, there's that conditional if. If we're led by the Spirit, look at this. I love it. I'm led by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. If I'm led by the Spirit, He's not going to lead me into sin. (laughs) If I follow what this book says, I'm not going to be disappointing God. I'm not going to be disobeying God. I'm not going to be rebelling against God. If I'm led by the Spirit, if I say, okay, Holy Spirit, drive my life. All I have to do is put put the leash on like the kids, put the leash on. And I'm just going to follow wherever he goes. Oh, you're going, okay. okay, okay you want to oh, go this way? All right, well then let's, just, let's go. I'm, I'm just along for the ride. It really simplifies our life. Here's what, what it requires. If I'm led by the Spirit, if I'm led by the Spirit, what I realize about my life is that it's to be lived the way God wants me to live. I love that. I just have to listen for God now. That's, that's it. How many guys are practicing that on a daily basis, listening for God? Listening for God. I want to hear God. And I don't want to just hear God in my, my closet time. We probably need to back up the train. Let's back up the train a little bit. 
How many of us are reading our Bible and praying every day? Every day. You have that time set aside. Sometimes we can make the assumption that everybody in church reads their Bibles and prays every day. Has a clo- you know what, what I, when I say closet? Jesus talks about that you should go off into your closet. You should go off into a quiet place. You should go to a place where it's just you and God. Isolated, just the two of you. Where you can spend time with him. In that closet time, you have your Bible. You should have a notebook. You should get on your face and, and, and cry out to the Lord. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday nights. If you are not coming on Wednesday nights, you should come. We're going to talk about crying out to the Lord. What does that even mean? That's the midweek service, so I won't go into that. But there should be never one day that passes that you don't get with God. You should never go to work or go to school without getting with God. You shouldn't even, we shouldn't even have a self-imposed type of a rule or a law that I don't get to go to work until I've prayed and read my Bible. Could you imagine that? Explain that one to your boss. Well, you never would have to if you made sure that that's what you did. And guess what? It's not because you have to. You realize about your life is that you need it. The believer, the Christian, the church person, whoever you might be, you don't understand that the reason why there's kind of these lapses or these, these, these uh, down places in this roller coaster of our faith, the reason we have these things is because they're self-imposed. It's because we neglect this time. Do you understand about your faith is that you need, in order to hear God's voice, you need to be familiar with it. This new puppy at our house. And I'll call him by his name, and then he goes running in a different direction. I'm like, is that dog dumb? Where's he going? Now as he's getting bigger, he understands his name. Opie, oh, he comes over. Okay, that's great. Wonderful. He recognizes our voices. He, he, he understands his name. When, when his name is called, he comes. And sometimes I even tell him, you know, go in your crate. And he goes into his crate. It's amazing. It's so cool. He's starting to understand commands. A person might say, well, about my faith, I want to be led by the Spirit. Well, it's kind of hard to be led by the Spirit when you don't even know his voice. When you don't recognize who's, who's actually saying. When you don't recognize your own name. When you don't understand the place in the pecking order. And all of a sudden, then we, start, we talk about in church, man, I'd like to be led by the Spirit. We don't, we don't have that intimate time with God. We don't know God. We know about him, but we don't know him. So when we say that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be led by the Spirit, I'm going to trust it. And so what God does in those intimate times, those quiet times, these opportunities to, to hear from him, he's leading us in ways everlasting. I love this idea because now we're going to talk about two divergent paths, two paths that are going in different directions. When we talk about that you've been saved, God has saved you from a life for another life. He didn't just save you and just leave you alone. He, he took your life, turned you around. We forsake that life in order to live this life. So if I, if I live by the Spirit and I'm led by Him, then I'm going to be led to live a proactive life for Him. Let me give you a story. I may have shared this one time with, with you. If I did, forgive me. But sometimes the stories run together. 
the ministry sometimes can run together as well. I used to have a good friend of mine named Juan Pacheco, and Juan was, uh, he's a good dude, man. He, he just recently passed away. Somebody called me from Albuquerque and told me he passed away. And, uh, but he, he was um, a, a drug addict and uh, somebody that had come out of that whole lifestyle, been incarcerated and, and gangs and, you know, all kinds of bad things in his life. And, and um, so when he came to Christ, it was, it was glorious. It was amazing to watch what God could do in a human being, just resurrect his life and use, use him for his own glory and the growth of the kingdom. He was a, a soul winner. He was uh, an evangelist in his own right. And um, anyway, uh, there was this time where we were going to, um, uh, my wife was waiting in the car, and we were getting ready to go for Labor Day for this, uh, this holiday to go hang out and just be alone just before we had kids. And uh, so I'm trying to go into the office to drop something off or get something, or I don't remember what, but he was our janitor. He was the guy that lived in the back corner of the gym, and he was the custodian, and he lived on the premise, uh, premises there, and he would take care of everything and all of that. And so um, I'm trying to get my stuff, and, and he comes over, and he says, hey, pastor, it's dark in the gym there where, where my office was. Uh, and I'm like, hey, who's that? Is it Juan. I'm wondering if I could bother you just real quick. And I said, okay, sure, what's up? What's happening? He said, Brian, I'm tempted to use. I'm so being drawn to go use. Like, I, I can know where I can get it, and I know the person I can get it from, and I could go do it, like, right now. I could go get it, and I could use and, and go back on my, what I don't want to do. I, I don't want to do that, but I'm, I'm so tempted, and I don't know what to do about it. And I said, okay. And Jennifer's in the car. I'm like, it's going to take a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so we sit down, and I said, all right, Juan. Temptation is real. The desire to want to use these drugs are real. I get it. So here's what I need you to do. I went to Genesis, and I told him about the story this guy, Jacob. And Jacob was going to have a meeting with his brother. The next day, he, they'd been estranged, and there was all this tension between them. And, and so Jacob has this real uh, time with God, a wrestling time with God, literally, physically, a wrestling time with God. And the Bible talks about that he was wrestling with the Lord, and he, and he says, I'm not going to let go until I've received a blessing. I'm not going to let go. And the story, what happens is he is so cleaving and, and wrestling and not willing to uh, let go of the Lord that his hip is thrown out of socket, and for the rest of his life, he would actually limp. But, you, but there was this comment, and, and it, was, it was critical for Juan. I said, listen, there needs to be this, this prayer time, this alone time that you have with God where you say, I'm not going to let go of you of your word, of this prayer time, of this alone time that we have together until I know that I know that I know that I've received a blessing of strength, of power to overcome the temptation that I'm in. I will not let go. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to relent. I'm not going to get up from here. until I told him, I want you to stay in here until you know that you know that you know that you know that you're not tempted for that anymore. And you don't have permission to leave until you do. Would you commit that to me? Would you promise me that? And he looks at me, he says, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And so he's getting ready to get up. I said, no, no, I'm not done. When you know that you know that you know that you know, I want you to get up with your Bible in your hand, and I want you to go get on the Suntran bus. That's kind of the 
commuter buses that we have in Albuquerque. They run all over the city. I want you to go to the foothills there at Central. And then I want you to take that bus on Central all the way to the West Mesa and back and forth and back and forth till the sun sets. And I want you to tell anybody that will listen to you about your testimony. Would you do it? All right, Pastor, I'll do it. That was a Monday, Labor Day. So we would have meet, uh, meals on Wednesday nights. Uh, there in our gym, we'd have meal. You know, the church would eat together. We'd invite people from the community to eat, whatever. And so we're sitting there eating, and, and um, I see all these people coming in. And Juan is sitting over there at one of the long tables over on the other side of the gym. And there's all these new people. I'm thinking, what in the world? And he's sitting over there and, and talking with them, and they're all, they all know him, and they're, everybody's having a good time over there. I'm thinking, I need to get up over there and see who's over there. So I go over, and, and Juan goes, hey, hey, Pastor, let me introduce you to some of my new friends. I met them on the bus the other day. And I'm like, on the bus? I'm like, what are you, what's he talking about? Oh. <laughs> he had gotten on the bus sometime around 11 in the morning, and he'd stayed on there till oh, dark 30. All day, bus coming back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. All these people that he had encountered, telling people about his testimony. Let me just tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you about what God showed me. Let me tell you how he changed my life. And, and you ask the question, if I'm led by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Why? Because when you're filled with the Spirit, God fills your life with his things. There's not room for the bad things. You can't have two things in, in the same vessel. Juan understood that. He was tempted by, by the drugs. He wanted to go use. And he's consumed by the dark part of what's, what, what, what he's being tempted by. And I told him, you need to fill yourself up with good things. You need to fill yourself up with light. Whatever you're filled up with, that's what's going to come out. I'm not going to let go until I've received a blessing. I'm not going to let go until I know that I know that I've been with God. Until I, I have everything that I'm going to need for life and godliness through my knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to leave. In my own faith, there's been times where I remember a brand new Christian. And, and my disciple had shared some really cool things like that. Not the same thing with Juan, but kind of the same thing. And I remember I told my boss, I said, hey, uh, I'm going to be late. I might not even come in today. And he's like, well, what's wrong? What's going on? Is everything okay? I said, well, I just haven't been with, I, I haven't grabbed a hold of, of, of God and been filled up and know that I know that I know. And he goes, well, you better start praying because I need you here at work by, by whatever. I'm like, well, I can't promise you anything. If you're an employer, what would you think about that? <laughs> if you're a worker, what do you think about that? He's like, man, I'd get fired. If you're led by the Spirit, I love this. If you're led by the Spirit, you will not gratify the, sinf the, the, the desires of the sinful nature. If you're led, if you're filled, if God is the one driving your life, if, if he's authentically the one who lives in you, you will not gratify the de desires of the sinful nature. That's what the Bible says. You understand that? So if you're gratifying the desires of the sinful nature, you're not being led by the Spirit. 
I don't care how much we talk about that we're led by the Spirit if we're gratifying that nature. That's not me. That's not the church of the Nazarene. That's what the Word says. It's right there. The Apostle Paul. Now look at this. You ready? The sinful nature, this is why. Because the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. You see this tug of war? There's a tension between the two. There's what the Spirit wants. It's what God wants. It's what His Word says. It's what I want. The flesh, the carnal nature, the sin nature, however you want to say it. Ultimately, it's the self. It's being selfish. It's what I want. What God wants, what I want. And they're in conflict with each other. In fact, that's what he says next. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Any Christians this morning? If you're led by the Spirit, there's going to be what God wants and then there's going to be what you want. Let's make it real this morning. Let's, let's really make it real. How many guys have had some kind of interaction with an individual where you wanted to retaliate with words? Here's what God wants. Here's what you want. If you do what you want, you're not going to do what he wants. And if you do what he wants, so instead of me lashing out, I'm going I'm to be even more snarky than you are. I'm going to cut you in half with my tongue. God can give you the self-control to shut up, to be quiet. He can actually help you to be proactive to give them life. Do you believe in the power of God? No, but do, do, but do you really? Oh, yeah, we believe God could create mountains and suns and oceans and planets. We get that. But we, we dismiss the power of God in us. Because God can get you to shut your mouth. Oh, no, he can't. You tell it on yourself. I mean, that's what's going on. That's what's happening. When we, when we say, well, you know, God can create everything else. He can do everything else, but he can't. That's, that's a will thing. That's a willful deal. And for us this morning, listen, it, it, it's relinquishing the leadership. If you're led by the Spirit, I'm going to relinquish the leadership and let you lead me. I'm not the leader. You are. So if he says to be quiet, guess what you get to do? Be quiet. If God wants you to be nice when you want to be mean, what, do you, what should you do? What, what, what's, be nice. <laughs> I mean, th these things are, are sometimes grayed up, but I'm, I'm, it's black and white. Did you notice that in this idea here, there's what God wants, there's what I want, and then there's not this muddled up gray area. And we ask the question, okay, is God really doing what he wants to do in and through my life? Really? Honestly? What happens in the life of the believer when they're authentic, when they are truly led by the Spirit, that flesh, crucified to the flesh, where 
all of my desires and all of my, my will is completely surrendered to him so that I don't have any kind of things that I have that are agendas or plans or dreams that belong to me apart from God's will. That's where we want to be. That they're one and the same. That they're identical. That, in fact, the Apostle Paul talks about it. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ in me. I, in fact, I don't, ever, I don't even have a life of my own. I don't even have an agenda of my own. I don't have dreams of my own. As a pastor, no, no, forget that. As a Christian, I don't think about things that I can, I, I can draw for me in this life anymore. It's about God. It's about his kingdom. And whatever he wants, then that's what he gets. Can you say that for your life this morning? It's not about me anymore. I don't, I don't want to live this life for me anymore. I want to live it for him. Say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. These two, these two are at war with each other. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. And I like that because it's not because you have to, it's because you want to. Now, that, this is important. Now, you grab a hold of this one, guys. The issue here is not because you have to, it's because you want to. So you do all the things that you do for God, not because he said so, and you have to do it because that's the way it is, and I just love God. I, I want to live for God. I want to expend my life for God. He's done so much for me. How could I not? There are people that go to churches that are under this burden, and they think that it's all about this, this obligation that they have to God because he's God and they're this low. Listen, God's a relational God. He loves you. Do you imagine going on a date with your spouse because you had to? Are we having fun yet? <laughs> she would be like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Go play golf. Whatever you want to do. You know, don't worry about it. It's all good. No way. I mean, you, you love your spouse. You're supposed to. You love, you love that person. You'll do anything for them because you want to. So this is you're not under law. No, no, verse 19. I want you to do something for me this morning. There's a difference between verses 19 through 21 and verses 22 and 23 on purpose. There's a difference, and here's why. Because what the Apostle Paul has done in the earlier part of that passage that we just read, he said there's the sinful nature and there is living by the Spirit. These are two different things. They look completely opposite. Okay, so it's on purpose that these verses are going to be different. So what you have in verses 19 um, uh, through 21 is what the sin nature looks like. Okay, here's what he says. The acts of the sinful nature are what? They are obvious. What's obvious? Plain to see, right? Plain to see. Something that anybody could tell. They're obvious. They just stand out just plain as day. Like the nose on your face. That's obvious. When I talk to somebody and I look at them in the face, your nose is pretty obvious. Just like that. Right? 
I used to always make the kind of the comical depiction of something when something's obvious that Stevie Wonder could see it. <laughs> you know? Somebody got a bad attitude. You don't have to have open eyes to be able to see it. Somebody got a bad attitude. It's obvious. Now look, look at what it says here. These are the acts of the sinful nature, and they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. These next ones are, are kind of just where even the people in the churches can't let themselves off the hook. Sometimes when you talk about, like, say, for instance, witchcraft or debauchery or something like that, you can kind of be like, well, yeah, I don't do any of that. Sometimes you know, we don't even realize debauchery. You know what debauchery is? As when we're engaging in revelry and we're wanting other people to join in. And while it might not include booze and, and kegs and stuff like that, sometimes we can get people to get included in our, in our gossip and slander. Let me make a team. Hey, come on and be a part of our team. We got some bad stuff on this guy. Let's talk about it. Let's build a team together. Let's, the glue that's going to bind us together will be all the gossip and slander that we can muster up. So debauchery, don't let yourselves off the hook, guys. Listen, look in the mirror and do an honest inventory. It's good to do that. Idolatry is something that you can worship anything. Anything that's not God. This morning we're driving into, uh, into church and we're listening to praise and worship songs on the, on the, in the car. And uh, one of our sons leans over to, to, to her mom and says, hey, mom, what do you think are the best Jordans or something like that, the best, uh, best Air Jordans are or whatever? And my wife goes like this, says, honey, let's not worship shoes this morning. Let's worship the Lord. That's good. Write that one down. Focus, right? What you put your focus on. What you, what you live for. The thing that excites you. The thing that makes you the most happy. Or the thing that would make you the most mad if somebody were to take it. That's what idolatry, that's what you worship. Idolatry. People in the churches can engage in idolatry like that. Sometimes the biggest thing we worship is ourselves. We have a shrine of ourselves. Look how pretty Steve is. I'm going to put that right there and I'm going to worship that. Witchcraft. You ever thought about some of the movies we watch? They have dark elements to them. Do you, do you realize that about some of the movies that people watch that they're engaging in witchcraft and paganism and sometimes even some of the things that, that really we kind of just dismiss as, oh, that's just a movie. But, you know, from a spiritual sp standpoint, we don't understand the kind of doorway, the kind of entryway that we allow in the spiritual realm for things to get in. I mean, honestly, you, you can kind of just stuff. One of, the, one of the gods that we have are things like, like our entertainment. That's a fact. In this culture, don't you start messing with our DC comics or don't start messing with Marvel or don't start messing with Disney or don't, don't start messing with... You, you cannot talk about those things in the church because these are our gods. And there are elements in some of these venues that when you start talking about this stuff and you begin to look at some of the symbolism in some of these movies, there is no doubt that there's paganism in it, there's Satanism in it. And we dismiss it. That's just a movie. But we don't, we don't even, we don't, we don't even, we don't think about this from God's perspective. He looks at this and he says, fill yourselves up with things that are wholesome. 
And we wonder why we're kind of just, ah, well, you know, but we don't know from the current, listen, in the, in the spiritual realm, there are things that you and I cannot perceive. We can't even see it. If God could let us, like kind of like a shower curtain, you know, like when you, whoosh, you throw those open. If God were to open up the curtain of the spirit realm and you could actually see what's really going on, I think we would be alarmed at some of the things that we allow into our homes, some of the things that we actually pay money for. Uh-oh, I'm going to step on some toes this morning. We tithe more at the movie theater than we do at church. None of us have not any issue saving up three or five or $10,000 to play, take a trip to Disney. But if we were going to talk about maybe having pledges for something that was going to go on here at the church, you would say, how dare that pastor talk about money like that? There are more cars at the movie theater than there are at the churches. People will camp out for movies. I'd be so blessed beyond measure if there were tents out here on a Saturday night. People waiting for the doors to open. Wouldn't that be amazing? Do whatever you want with that. That's up to you. I'm just saying that if you're going to ask me the question, the difference between one or another, and I'm going to say what's part of the solution, what's part of the problem, I'm going to tell you that probably in our culture, that the things that we just kind of slough off is no big deal can be part of the problem. I had one guy, one of the churches where I was, he said, Pastor, we didn't come to be preached at. I'm like, well, I am a preacher. This is church. <laughs> as much as you guys might feel preached at sometimes, God is preaching to me harder than he is any of you. Hatred, uh-oh, okay, these ones, uh, let's not talk about these ones, Pastor. Hatred. Pastor, I don't hate him, per se. When somebody says per se, that's funny to me. Because <laughs> that's really what they're saying. They just don't want it to sound ugly. I don't hate him, per se, I just don't want to have anything to do with him, and if he died, I really wouldn't care. <laughs> now, you think that's funny, but I'm telling you, I've sat in meetings where people say stuff like that. One particular lady at Roswell that said that in a meeting, when we were talking about the youth pastor, and she said that. She says, I don't really care what happens to him. And I said, that sounds like hatred to me. And he goes, she says, you can call it whatever you want. What does Jesus say about hatred? May as well kill him. You have murder stored in your heart. For that individual, hatred is murder. If you hate somebody in your heart, per se, <laughs> may as well just get out a knife or a gun and blow their brains out or stab them in the heart because it's the same thing according to what Christ said. And there are people that store, out, store up all this hatred and they come into church every single Sunday and they kind of compartmentalize the hatred. They put the hatred and they tuck it on over here in this room, this little, you know, uh, sequestered over here neatly in the corner and they can worship and they, well, in their minds, they worship and, and they read their Bible and they say amen to stuff. 
If you have hatred for somebody in your heart, it doesn't matter who it is. You're a murderer. That needs to be dealt with, with God's grace. We need to put it under the blood, and we need to forgive that individual. We need to ask God to help us to love that person. And where you can't, God can. And if, if you're saying, listen, you don't know what that person's done to me. That's not to minimize at all that that person's done something to you. It doesn't mean at all that you don't, you don't have something inside of you that, 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 uh, that is unable. But what we do know is that God came and overcame every ugly, nasty, terrible thing that was ever perpetrated that could ever happen to a person, and he prayed for them. So the issue is being led by the Spirit, right? We've been talking about being led by the Spirit. If a person says, I can't forgive them, you're not being led by the Spirit. Because where you can't, God can. That's why God is saying, follow me, trust me, walk with me. Because where you can't, I will take you to places where you can. I will help you. My brother, you had your hand up. Yes. Come on and pray. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. We want to pray for you. Come on up here. We want to pray for you. In fact, I'd like your whole family to come on up. Would you do that? To, for a prayer for deliverance, a prayer for freedom. And I want everybody who wants to come to come. This is what the church is about. Let's sit right here. Let's sit together. To be set free. Listen, God can set us free. The church is not about just, you know, preaching a sermon and having a nice little package bow or something. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us needs, we all need. And this is as dynamic as God wants it to be. Let's pray for this dear brother that God would just set his heart free. Whatever kind of pain that he has, what kind of difficulty that he's facing, the, the challenges that he has, that God would, would, would truly be allowed to lead in his life. Lord, this morning, we pray for our brother Ronnie. We know that you have a plan for him. We know, Lord God, that before he was ever born, that you had all of his days numbered, and that that good plan that you have for his life is his through the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. And we want to lift him up right now in the name above, above all names, that's Jesus, and all these Christians, all these believers, binding this prayer. If you could picture some kind of a, of a rope with many threads, that it's one rope, it's one kind of a, of a of a binding, Lord God, that this prayer could reach heaven for our brother Ronnie, that we would bind this faith-filled prayer for him, that there would be deliverance from whatever has this guy bondaged, that has him tied down, has him chained up. 
God, we pray for those to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over him that there would be deliverance. That years, it's not about a pastor, because this has been years prior to any pastor coming, God. And the realization this morning is that he has, like we all do, a need for the king. We pray for him, Lord God, to be set free emotionally. We pray that he would be set free physically. We pray that he would be set free spiritually. We pray that he would be set free in every kind of other aspect imaginable, that he would be set free. For the one that the Lord sets free is free indeed. We pray, God, that he would have joy in his heart, that he would have peace in his heart. If there is sin inside of him, Lord God, that he would completely uh, renounce it in the name of Jesus and that he would run to you, Lord God, to be filled. We thank you, God, that your grace is bigger than anything that Ronnie or any of us will ever face. And we pray, God, that there would be some kind of a good thing that's manifested right now in the name of Jesus. We pray it. We, we know, trusting that you can, we ask this morning with everything that we have that you would. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Ronnie, Lord God. We pray that he would reject every single other thing that the devil has ever tried to impose upon him, has ever tried to lie about you or about your word to him, about your people, that he would reject all of those things and be able to declare, this is where I belong and these are my brothers and sisters. And that he would even be able to declare for his pastor, whether it's me or someone else, that he'd be able to say, this person, even though they have some things to say, that these are things that I can always look in the mirror and draw from, that I can benefit from, that I can take these things that I've heard and weigh them against the word. And if they're provable by the word, then I need to embrace them. I need to grab a hold of them. I need to apply them to my life, Lord, whether, like I said, I'm his pastor or he's got some other pastor, some other mouthpiece, Lord God, that he would be able to trust that you're going to use that pastor for his good. And so, Lord God, I thank you that today is the day of not only salvation, today is the day where we can consecrate ourselves, that Brother Ronnie this morning can offer himself up wholly unto you. We declare it in the name of Jesus, and in his blood we seal it. For we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord praise this morning. Come here, man. Hug me, man. I want you to hug me, bro. I love you, man. I know it ain't you, dude. I know it ain't you. Hey, I love you. We love you. Let Embrace the hurt. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. I mean, I'm for real, dude. Take your fight. Take your fight. He's pointing it at you, and it ain't fair to you, and it ain't fair to me. Take your fight and fight the devil with it. I can't. Let's do discipleship, you and me, and we'll, we'll do it. If there's anybody that would agree to pray for Brother Ronnie, that you'd say this morning, I'm going to commit my brother to prayer every day. Ronnie, I want you to look around, man. Ronnie, look around. These people are committed to praying for you, man. We love you. I love you. We're glad, I'm glad you raised your hand, and I'm glad, glad that you communicated that. I'm glad for that. That's good for the church. That's good for all of us. We have five minutes. Here's what uh, we're going to close. You know what? Here's what I'm going to close. There was a time in my life where I was so angry with my pastor, Brother Ronnie. 
I, I mean, I'm serious. I, I wanted to like fight, like fight with him. I wanted to fight with, with him because of the, some of the things that I would hear him say. Because it felt like they were directed at me. It felt like every time you preached, you're like, you're talking, you're, you're like looking at me. You're talking to me. I felt that way. My discipler, I communicated these things. I didn't raise my hand in a service like this morning, but I communicated that with my discipler. Here's what he told me. Steve, the things that God is trying to do in your life, he's trying to communicate them through that pastor. That pastor has no way to know what you, what's going on in your heart. He's not God. That pastor has no way to know what you do week in and week out because he's not God. He, he doesn't know that. If there's something that comes out in the Word and you feel like it's directed at you, there's no way that that pastor knows that that's what you're doing or that's what you have hidden in your heart. But God does. And that's the power of his word. I mean, I, I, listen, I, real quick, Hebrews. Would you guys humor me this morning? Can we do that? Brother Ronnie, this is good, not just for you. you. You had the guts to say it. Listen, bro, you know why I appreciate you? Because you had the guts to say that. There are people in this room who feel the same way that will never tell me that. They'll just go tell other people they don't like me. Point is, I, you, know what, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that because that, that says to me, this is somebody who wants to change. That's where revival starts, bro. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, so that pastor has no way to know what, what, what's going on in, in, in your life. He has no way. It's not possible. In verse 12, it says this, the word of God is living and active. The word of God is living and active. That means that when we preach, when, when a Bible study teacher teaches, the Word of God is powerful in and over and above that teacher or that preacher. The Word of God is powerful. It's living and it's active, meaning it's not some dead concrete thing that's up on some kind of a, of a piece of stone. The Word of God is it's a living, acting, active, breathing entity. So the Word of God goes out specifically to where an individual lives back in the early church and in the year 2019, the Word of God is still applicable. It's real. It gets into the very places where we live. It supersedes culture. It supersedes norms. The Word of God is still applicable in our day. And it will be, if the Lord doesn't come back for a thousand years, it will be a thousand years from now. You know why? Because the Word of God is not just a piece of paper or letters or words. Jesus is the eternal logos. He is God's word. The Holy Spirit illuminates the word. He's the one that makes the word of God come alive. The Holy Spirit, pneuma. We talk about then that this, this living, breathing word, it applies to me where I live. It's who I am. It's where, I, where I'm currently walking. 
I praise God for that. You know what I love about, about what Ronnie said? Here's why. Here's why I like it. Because he's not dead. He can feel it. He can feel it. There are people in churches that can't feel the word anymore. If you're an individual who you can't remember the last time you got mad, the last time you got hurt, the last time you got cut by God's word, you should be in, you should be a, a, a oh, there's something wrong. Because that, that should happen. That should instigate these things. The word of God is living and active. If you get mad, that means you're alive. It means that you can get mad. And the indignation that sometimes we can have, sometimes, you know, Brother Ronnie, and this is for others as well, but, but I'm, I'm trying to latch on to where you are so we can go together. That, that kind of an indignation needs to be redirected. Because I feel like I'm angry, and I'm angry at you. I'm trying to project this anger somewhere else, but I'm mad at you because God is using you to say it. And now I need to take this anger and I need to project it on all of this other bondage and all of the things that the devil's trying to do. And I need to go after that and take my fight to the devil. This is what we're trying to teach here in this place is how to take the fight to the devil. I need to take my fight and project it against the, all the evil things he's trying to do in my life. So as, as you share that, I mean, we think, we think about what's going to happen with, with this living, active, breathing. Am I going to allow it or am I going to choke the life out? Am I going to choke out the life of the Word? If it's living and active, we have the, 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 the power to choke it out. According to the Scripture, Jesus said the seed is thrown out, almost tripped and fell down. That would have been something. Thrown out. But the Bible talks about that some, some things... Can the weeds, the cares of this world can come in and choke out the word. They can choke it out. If you want that word to be living and active in your life, how many guys would say this morning, I want God's word to be living and active in my life? Well, guess it's contingent on what you do with it. It's contingent on what we do with it. If we say we want God's word to be living and active in my life, I'm going to take that word and I'm going to go live it out. I'm going to go water it and give it sunlight. I'm going to nourish it. If I get something here this morning, it might even sting a little bit. Understand about plants, you can even prune them. But why are we pruned? To produce more fruit. A healthy Christian is a prunable Christian. The rebukable Christian. It's a Christian who can be corrected without getting mad and going to another church. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. If you came to church, if you go to church because you want to hear a sermon that's going to pat you on the back, well, then you better not read the Word. Because the Bible doesn't say that it's a pillow. The Word of God is a nice, fluffy pillow and a temperpedic bed. He doesn't liken it to that. He, he says that the Word of God is sharp. What do we know about sharp? It cuts. Why do you, how many guys like cutting with a sharp knife? You know, it's more dangerous to cut with a dull knife than it is a sharp one. Do you guys know that? Uh, it's sharp. It's, it's sharp. When the Word of God comes, it comes to cut. 
And, and my Aunt Gloria had breast cancer surgery performed a couple weeks ago. I was talking to her on the phone. She lives in New Mexico. And she says, I'm hoping they cut it all out. Word of God. I, I want God to come into my life and use his word to cut out all the cancer. I want it to be sharp. I need it to be sharp. I, I don't want to hear a fluffy message ever again. Ever. I want to hear something that's going to cut out anything that could potentially be problematic in my faith. Yeah. I, I need God's word to be sharp. I need it to cut where it needs to cut. And I, and I, I open up my life for God to do that. I would say to the believer this morning, don't be afraid of the sharpness of the word of God. Don't be afraid of it. Don't, don't, don't push it out of your life because you're afraid of the pain. Embrace the pain. Understand that there's gonna be pain for a little bit. My, my Aunt Judy, she had to go under the knife and, it, and she's recovering and it does hurt. But guess what about my Aunt Judy? She's not thinking about the pain as much as she's thinking about the wholeness. She's not thinking so much about the recovery time and all the hardship of that recovery as much as she's thinking about grandkids and great-grandkids. What do I do with that pain? So let's say, for instance, you come in and you're cut. How many of you guys have ever been cut in church? You know what the altar's for? So that God can begin to minister to those wounds. That's what the altar is. So you get cut in your heart. There's cutting away that God's trying to do. He says, man, you got a bad attitude, man. You've been doing things that are, are, are not wholesome. you got stuff going on in your life. But you know what? I'm going to use the word to reveal it and expose it. You bring it to me. I'll deal with that. I'll, I'll, I'll be the salve to all your hurts. I'll be the one that will take these things from you, and then I'll give you my, lo- my yoke. And that's where freedom is. You understand that? That when we can come and we can put this stuff, put it, put it down and give it to God, then we can get up we don't, we don't pick it back up. We say, man, I'm free. I'm done. That's over. Yeah. So then now when we get up and we begin to live Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and the devil's trying to get us to pick it back up, we remind him, no, I'm done with that. I'm free from that. That's over. That's what freedom is. But as it is, so many of us, we just kind of, we run away from the pain. We don't, we don't want the pain. We're afraid of it. We think about the pain more than we think about the healing. But there's no healing without pain. Does everybody kind of understand that? Brother Ronnie, are you hearing me, man? You know, and this disciple told me that. He said, listen, man, your pastor loves you. You know, it would be the opposite. Grab a hold of this one, guys. How many of you guys want a pastor going to tell you a bunch of bull? Uh, but don't focus on that. How many of you guys would want somebody, a pastor with a patch on the back because all I care about is making sure you come to church every single week and making sure we get your tithe? How many of you guys would like a pastor like that? Let's keep the peace and let's make sure that everybody gets along. How many of you guys would like somebody like that? See, I'd rather have somebody that would tell me the truth. Tell me what I'm going to need to actually go out there and kick the devil in the tail. I'd rather have that, you guys. 
if, 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 if we're just playing church, if we're just coming and we're just playing footsie at church, I mean, what are we doing? I want somebody to tell me that what I need is what I need. And man, sometimes, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world to have to stand up here and say tough things. It's not. I'd rather be, how you doing? How about those cowboys? <laughs> but that's not what we need. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. Now notice, look at this. You ready? It penetrates. Do you understand that the word of God is not supposed to be some fluffy thing that stays superficial, floating on the top? A lot of churches, that's what's going on with some of the pastors. They're preaching these superficial messages that don't go anywhere. They don't get deep. People say, I want a deep message. Well, that's, they're getting that from the scripture. The scripture is that the word of God is supposed to go deep. And not deep as in, wow, blew my mind. That was deep, bro. No. Deep. It's supposed to go deep. My mom had uh, talked to me about a person in her life, and she says, I've been praying that God would just bless them. They're wayward. They're lost. They know the truth, they, they, but they're just not living it. And I've been praying for blessings. I said, I said, oh, okay. He said, well, is that the right prayer? And I said, I don't think so. Well, he said, well, what do you think, what do you think the prayer? I said, well, the way I would pray for that individual is that God would unravel them, that they would, be, they would come to the bottom, they'd come to the end of themselves so that they would have to need God. That's how I'd pray for them. Because I care more about their spirit and their eternity than I care about their flesh. It, it, that we have momentary pain here and now, the Word of God is, doesn't care that much about that. The Word of God is designed so that we can benefit for eternity. And if it comes at the expense of our flesh, and it does, then so be it. So the Word of God is supposed to penetrate, it's supposed to go deep. In fact, how deep? Watch. Even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. That's pretty deep. The Word of God is supposed to be allowed to go into your bones, deep into your recesses of who you are. Meaning that there's nothing hidden. N nothing. How many of you guys have ever felt exposed in a time like this one? Like, ah! Oh! Brother Ronnie's not the only person in this room. That, that's feeling that, I'm telling you. There have been times when I'm standing up here, bro, like I'm standing right up here, and I feel what you feel. I'm like, oh. We feel that. That's what the Word of God's supposed to do. It judges thoughts and attitudes that are in the heart. It judges them. But this dear brother that, that I'm, gl I'm glad he raised his hand this morning. I I'm glad he did that. It's good. This is good. This is a Holy Spirit thing. What I believe is that the judgment is what we feel. That's what we feel. When the Word of God comes out, we feel judged. Isn't that true? You feel judged. What we mistakenly think is that the pastor judging us, but it's not. It's the Word of God that judges us. And when the Word of God brings judgment about maybe the thing that we're not being or not doing that's not biblical, it's not godly, that's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Because now I get God's judgment on it. This is the whole idea of being led by the Spirit. God, we're getting God's opinion, God's idea about what we are, about what we're doing. 
And then when that happens, now I can come with a, with a proper rendering that came directly from his word, and now we can actually change and be different because we have a right judgment. Man, I'm tired. Could we bring the lights down? We're going to go to prayer. And I don't know how you need to pray this morning. I, you know, God is speaking however he speaks to whatever individual, the way he's going to. So if you need to come and pray, feel free to do that. As the praise and worship team plays this morning, that you would be able to feel a, a freedom, a, an emancipation of sorts, that you can be released from the bondage. You can make a clean break, a clean start, something new, something fresh. God is wanting that. He needs to communicate these things to us so that we can make those changes. And as the praise and worship team plays and you feel compelled to come, you feel led by the Spirit, obey is heeding. Trust Him. You know.
morning we come before you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for the good thing that you have done here. There's a lot of good work that has begun. The prayer for us today is that we would be led by you. That this work that has begun, that you are faithful to complete it. And for us, Lord, that we would allow it, that we would run after it, that we would open up our lives proactively to make sure that it will continue. And this upward trajectory, the steepness of that angle is contingent on our pursuit of you. Help us, God, to realize the value of being with you, of listening for your voice, the value of loving you through obedience. And all these things, God, they will yield the benefit of knowing you and someday being with you. And so we're grateful. We thank you, Lord, for everything that's happened here this morning. We give you the glory and the honor for it. We thank you for your word, its ability to come into our lives and to render change the way only you can. And so we seal every good thing that happened here with your Holy Spirit. As we go in different directions, God, may we take this good message and may we use it where we live. For we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Give him praise. Give him praise. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's been a kind of a longer service, but thank you for staying and, and listening, and let's go take it and use it. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.